Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Phil, how are you? Sounds like you had a great day out of the cricket since we last spoke. Yeah, treated to a great day up in Leeds at Headingley, my old stomping ground was at uni. Um, what a day for it as well. Perfect weather, uh, great result for England. So yeah, that was nice. Um, had a few beers, saw my dad. Yeah, lovely day out. It's great. Thank you for asking. Not at all. Now, I'm going to bring the tone right down here, but only briefly, I promise you, because I've actually had a horrible few days. Uh, Unfortunately, I've tested positive for COVID, uh, which has uh, come as something of a a shock. And I think more the timing than than anything. I've just had my second vaccine. Um, I was feeling particularly fatigued at the Open Championship. put it down to just being a gruelling kind of week, but then was pinged on Friday, started feeling worse, the classic COVID symptoms really, went for a test and it came back positive. So I have to say uh, Monday yesterday was horrendous. I really was very unwell, but I've been feeling better today and hopefully the vaccines uh, protected me from the, the worst of it. Uh, I'm generally quite a private person. I thought about not recounting this this news, but actually, I think sitting here with COVID and not saying that I have COVID would kind of feel absurd. <laughs> anyway, the show goes on. That that's the main thing to say, Phil. And we often communicate with sign language, don't we? So, if I give you a little wave, that's not me <laughs> saying, you know, shut up or anything. Just don't worry about that. That's me saying, take it take it on from here, sir, and and you can finish finish it off on your own while I head back to Bedfordshire. Yeah, no, you're doing great to soldier on. And um, yeah, I really appreciate it because I know you were very unwell yesterday. So hopefully everyone listening appreciates it too, because it's a, it's a fine effort from you. <laughs> Not at all. Well, we're, we're always pleased to be talking snooker. And we have really uh, a very special guest today. Uh, she has had a quite outstanding snooker career, today's guest. She's been the World Women's Snooker Champion an incredible 12 times 
including 10 in a row from 2005 to 2014. She has also competed before on the main professional tour and will do so again for the next two seasons after she was awarded a special invitational tour card. Away from the table, she's established herself in recent times as a popular snooker pundit on television. We are delighted to say that Rianne Evans joins us. Rianne, thank you so much for being on Talking Snooker. How are you? Uh, better than you by the sounds of it. But no, yeah, I'm all, it's, uh, it's the lovely weather. It puts everyone in a good mood, doesn't it? But all good. D definitely better than me. But Phil, this is an audio service, but let's introduce a visual element here. Now, we're <laughs> sitting in quite sort of plain rooms here. Now, Rianne, I mean, this is how the other half live, isn't it? <laughs> It is in the other half of the garden. You don't want to see the other bit. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking garden, swimming pool and wine. They're the headlines, aren't they? Yeah, the Queen of the Bay is living up to her <laughs> moniker here. Just like royalty out there. <laughs> <laughs> but Rianne, we, we are genuinely so grateful for you joining us. We've got loads, loads to ask you about, about your marvellous career, your future and... Uh, so many of your thoughts about the game. Phil, let's first just reflect a little bit on the start of the Championship League and the action we've seen so far. And listen, I don't want to say that talking snooker is some sort of lucky charm or anything, but Peter Lines comes on the podcast and claims victory in his group and beating Mark Williams 3-0 on the way. Now, you might remember a brilliant tweet from Dave Hendon just after Peter was on here to say he had a winning career record against Ronnie O'Sullivan and John Higgins. Well, now he has a winning career record against Williams. That's quite something, isn't it? It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if, uh, if anyone in the game uh, had a winning record against those three, they'd be absolutely delighted. And obviously, Peter's a great player, has been for a long time, but uh, I think he'd be especially surprised to maybe have a winning record against those three more than most. Um, but yeah, some great results for him. Um, and it's I think coming back onto tour... Um, the way he did, kicking off that um, in winning ways like that, useful bit of cash on, on, the, on the rankings already, so I'll be delighted with that. Um, Mark Williams, I saw his first game, he won 3-0, and I thought, oh, this might be a comfortable day out for him, but stopped in his tracks by the Yorkshireman. So, yeah, congratulations to him. Is that just one of those weird quirks, Rianne, that you can have these amazing career records against players that have obviously done better than you in career terms? Uh, and I guess it might be sometimes, you know, even the top players can have those players they dread facing type thing. Yeah, you always get your bogey players no matter who you're playing. But um, uh, Peter's no mug. He's got loads of experience. He's a hard match player. And I don't think he's one of those that's going to blow you off the table. But I think he's just going to be hard to beat. And he's obviously proven that with the three best that's ever played the game. So, no, you always get bogey players. But no, it's a bit like uh, Henry with... They, um, Johnson Allen, wasn't it? Mm. Yes. Winning record as well. So it's, it's strange. It's never the people who you think are going to have that record against them. But they owe fair play to him. Uh, Peter's a great guy as well, so he deserves it. He works hard. But yeah, we, we were going through the groups last week. And I said, I thought some people who came through Q School would have a good chance because they've obviously been playing a lot more over summer. And then I failed to predict any of them to actually get through. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said Peter Lyons. It was the obvious choice. Yeah, definitely. But then we saw Ricky Walden uh, winning 
all three of his matches to top his group against Oliver Brown, Alan Taylor and Nigel Bond. Uh, on Monday, we saw Ali Carter and Alex Ersenbacher top their groups. Again, Ali saying he's in a good place, Phil, like you've been saying, determined. It's going to be fascinating to see how he gets on this season. He's got the bit between his teeth, hasn't he? Yeah, it looks good. Um, sounding good. Uh, play quite well. Um Ricky Walden before as well. I think the three wins out there was quite impressive. He was saying at the end of last season, he's playing as well as he ever has, which is something from someone who was world number six at one point. So he'll be one to look out for this season as well. Um, there was an interesting thing in um, Carter's last match against Dale where he sort of smashed the pack yes. because he'd already won the group. So um, he didn't care effectively. So obviously understandable. But the only, I think the only dodgy thing in these group stages is that the rest of the three players are playing for more money where they finish in the group. So as much as it doesn't matter to Ali, and I understand that, you know, the other guys trying to finish above Dominic, who who Ali was playing, they're not going to be that happy to see him just sort of smashing the balls around. That's the only thing I'd say about that. But I saw him tweet that early. He said he didn't see the fuss and he might do it again. So we'll see. But Rianne, there seems to be so much uh, sort of talk generally about the break now, whether it's Mark Williams playing the safety one, players sort of playing funny ones. I mean, is it just a kind of trend we're going through at the moment that people are sort of messing around with, with that particular shot? Yeah, especially with Willow. He doesn't care, does he? He'll play any <laughs> shot to play when to, but he's so good to watch. But no, I don't, I don't like that break-off. I just think the normal break-offs fine you just have to play it better basically but uh, uh no in general i look anyone can play any shot they want at any time for me no matter if you smash them open or roll up to them it's their choice it's there at the table it's their it's their game isn't it we just have to as opponent or viewers just have to put up with it and say right go on to the next one then <laughs> but i did see willow tweet about um carter's break off and said this is why we shouldn't have groups and I thought, yeah, it's a good point because, as Phil said, there's other people involved and it could upset their ranking in the in the group stages. But but at the end of the day, it, it's up to them to do better, to try and finish higher beforehand. So, it, again, it's catch-22, isn't it? It's like, do they, can they play all their own shots or do they have to think about others as well? And that's, that's the trouble with groups. You're always going to get something crop up in group stages. Yeah, it's, it's especially brutal in these ones because if you finish last, you get nothing. Yeah. So to go and... I don't think that would have happened in this group. It, it wouldn't have affected it that way. But oh, if, right. it, you did, if you did leave, go home with nothing because someone was sort of not trying oh, hardest in the last game, it would be hard to take. Yeah, definitely. That's why... Well, luckily, he didn't mean anything. Maybe that's what he meant by a dead rubber. He knew it wasn't going to mean anything. Maybe that's why he done it. Yeah. So fair to him. I was wondering about these breaks that, as Nick said, it sort of seems to happen a lot more. I don't know if that was all because, or partly because of everything happening behind closed doors. And I don't know if players would have been so keen to sort of roll up behind the pack if there was a full crowd watching and to maybe see the response they would have got from the crowd. But because they spent a season playing with no audience, they sort of seem feel freer to try things out, maybe. Yeah, that's possible because... There's a lot gone on that we think may not have happened if there was crowds during the last year or so and like people winning events or results going certain ways and the way they're playing. Or, But at the end of the day, you're playing there, you're playing there to win. I always enter something knowing I want to play, try and play my best, as best as I can and win. And I'd say 99% of the players are all like that anyway. But as you say, it could affect it as 
you never know by the by the reaction it could be oh I can't play that one again they didn't like that one but uh, I don't think we know okay if they liked it one that would it just to play devil's advocate on the group thing a bit you're saying that's a problem with groups I mean it's a standard format in sport isn't it and you know we, you can't have every event being a knockout I quite like the variation and actually a lot of sports have these so-called dead rubbers. I'm just thinking in my head about Champions League football. Sometimes a mm. team can be through after four games, but they still would try their best in the last two and, and, and do everything to the best of their abilities. It's kind of, that's a, a general professional way to be, isn't it? And mm. I know it's, you know, it's not an exact science, but, um, you know, that, that's kind of the way sport works, isn't it, a lot of the time? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tricky. I think the Champions League example is, I suppose there's so much money on the line and they can get in the Europa League and stuff. I think, especially for sort of the players who aren't scrapping around at the bottom of the rankings, if they, they've got a, a, a game that doesn't match the end of the Championship League and they're playing for a couple of hundred quid with no audience there, you can see why they won't be putting in full effort in, in that game. You don't necessarily blame them. It's not their fault, but um, when it, it's when it affects other people that's the problem. But, I mean, you are right. Uh, everyone there is a professional. Well, actually, they're not, but most people there are professionals. <laughs> um, but, um, so they should be putting all their effort in all the time. Um, but yeah, it's it's understandable. So I don't blame the players. It's just a funny format sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's not having it regular in, in our sport. And I think that's why it crops up so much when people say, oh, well, a little bit negative talk, isn't it, about group stages and things. Mm -hmm. And plus just being like, is it first to three, is it? Best of four or something Best like that. Best of four, yeah. Yeah, because I haven't seen much of it recently. But um, yeah, I just think because it's not played in our sport so much, I think people see it as a, a negative. But obviously, if it was played more, they'd just take it in the stride, wouldn't they? It's just another day at the office, basically. Mm. Phil, can you just mark the time down? It's 9.30 on a Tuesday evening in July. And I've just compared the Champions League football <laughs> to the... Championship League snooker. Just goes to show that, that COVID can affect you in kind of weird ways. <laughs> Let's move on to today. Ronnie O'Sullivan has topped his group with wins over Ian Burns and Sakib Nasser and a draw against Mark Joyce. I saw a fair bit of Ronnie today. I thought he was pretty good, rusty in parts and a few sort of odd shots and balls you wouldn't expect Ronnie to normally miss, but Generally pretty good for a first uh, showing of the season. And uh, as for the other group, Phil, where we sort of joked uh, before we came on air that it's so close, they're going to be drawing lots, I think. it's uh, There were draws early on. You know, it hurts your head. You know, have you got your abacus out to work it out? Yeah, I, st I still think it's up in the air, isn't it? Well, the game, it seems to have finished. Fergal has beaten Mark Lloyd 3-0. And we think that means Fergal's topped the group. He's picked it from Michael Holt on high break. Uh, I think that's how it, I think I, I don't want to be wrong here, but I think that's right. Because uh, Fergal made a century, I think. That's yeah, Fergal made a century. I think in his very first frame of the whole day. Um, so, yeah, they both finished on five points, both with the same frame difference. And Fergal's break of 100 will beat Holt E's break of 67. So a bit of a sickener for the hitman there, having topped the group and just needing Mark Lloyd to take one frame off Fergal. But fair play to, fair play to Fergal for doing it. He's topped it and he'll be through to the next stage. I mean, 
Rianne, that, that would be a sickener for Michael Holt, wouldn't it, to, to, to lose on something like that? I mean, it, it's part of the game, of course, but uh, he might lose, lose, lose a little bit of sleep tonight over that, I imagine. Yeah, it's a tough one because the groups and then you work hard trying to scrap every frame you can to get a point and then you lose it on a high break and it, they do this in the ladies sometimes and I just think it's one rule that I don't like. I'd rather have a, a, a playoff or something like yeah. that. I, but uh, yeah. but it, it is what it is and yeah, it would be a signal just losing it on the high break. But never doubt Ferginator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they made him hang around and have a one-frame shootout or something, <laughs> You've got to think of something or a blue off the spot or something. At least you've lost it. You haven't just because of a break. Do you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, it, for me, I don't like the high break situation, but I suppose it's a quick way of going through the motions of getting the results down without dragging it on, basically. Mm -hmm. And getting through with five points, it just shows the interesting vagaries of these group situations, eh, Phil? Because unless uh, this is me getting my maths wrong, you could, you could easily go home with six couldn't you two wins but lose the third another guy getting three wins for example yeah to, to get through with five that's uh you know that's that just shows how tight that group was yeah absolutely yeah i think um that happened in another group actually Ur oh, really? um Ursen came through with three wins and fernandez went home with six um so yeah definitely can and i mean in that way halty will be hurting <laughs> that. but if you only win one or three games you can't really complain too much um, although I'm sure he will complain a little bit. <laughs> Never. <laughs> but we must now focus on you, Rianne, uh, our special guest. Uh, and as I say, we have so much to ask you about. But first of all, let's make it as topical as possible. The Championship League, your first appearance of the season in the same group as Tom Ford, Simon Lichtenberg and Simon Blackwell on Thursday. Uh, how are you looking forward to it? And, and, and are the nerves starting to kick in yet? Um, I'm actually really looking forward to it. Obviously, working with Chris Henry a little bit. I haven't worked with him so much during the like, little break, but done a few lessons before and just show me a few things to work on, a new perspective on new new routines to try. So it keeps you, keeps you interested in trying to improve yourself. And, and I can see little little targets that I'm getting now. So I can see an improvement on the practice table. It's just taking it to the match table, especially like a new season but, uh, as a professional now. So now I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I just wish it was uh, when it was a little bit cooler outside so I can enjoy the sun a bit longer, but no, I can't have everything, I suppose. But no, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's not snooker weather, really, is it? I think I saw you on Instagram or something and uh, practice must be hard work in this heat. Oh, definitely. Practice on your own is bad enough, but practicing on your own in thirty degree heat, it was it was tough going. But uh, I try and sneak a couple of rays in at the end of the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned you worked with Chris there. Um, that's been going on for a little while now, hasn't it? But um, obviously, he's he had a great uh, world championship with Sean and Mark in the final. Um, what what does he sort of bring to the table? Uh, he just showed me a new way of looking at what I'm doing. Well, before I was thinking that I was putting side on everything was actually I was just aiming wrong. Right. <laughs> so um, I've got to train my eyes to see my way of way of seeing basically and obviously train it all to come back in. But it's just things that you can't see. You think, well, that can't be the problem then because I can't see it. 
but obviously having someone in your corner who knows what they're on about as well and uh, I really like him as well and I, I trust him so we get on so it, that's the main thing as well I think you need to be comfortable and believe what you're doing in order for it to work it could be anything but as long as you believe it, it'll work so no I'm intrigued and looking forward to Prima helping me especially headspace as well obviously you get told that you shouldn't be there and and things like that and and he's just like focus on you believe focus try mm. just focus on what you've been learning and training hard for and just let it all go really cool and do you think that's you talk about the side there and about you you've been aiming wrong is that something that you think might have come into your game recently or might you might have you been doing it for a few years and not realized i'd be interested to find out a bit more about that um i just think especially if no one's in your corner in that respect like at the table with you knowing what you do um I think it can creep in and probably get worse and worse over the years. So the longer you leave anything, it's going to get worse. So you then perhaps that's why I thought I might have been playing with side because then you try and overcompensate for it. So it's just training routine, especially with the balls as well, because it doesn't have to really be there for me to see it because you can see it with the balls yourself. So you believe it straight away because you can see it firsthand. So yeah, it's just uh, remembering to do it and see if I can do it under pressure, basically. So that that's his his the balls, not just balls, isn't it? No, the balls, <laughs> not his balls, the balls. <laughs> so explain that there, the sort of big, like it's his own sort of training aid thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they're just ever so slightly like lighter. They feel like ping pong balls actually, and they've got mm. a very light weight in them and everything. But it just exaggerates what you're doing wrong, so you can see what you're doing. So obviously, when you hit a normal snooker ball, it's heavier, so it's not going to do as much as what these balls say. But um, it's just going to make you more accurate in the long run, as long as you keep doing the right things, basically. Yeah, it's clever. It sounds like that's going to be invaluable work for you. Uh, I'm just wondering, are you glad it's a bit more of a low-key event to start the season? I mean, the Championship League still has its value, of course, but it's not the bells and whistles of a really big ranking event. Do you think that will suit you? Um, I'm hoping because I was talking to someone the other day about it and I was saying oh, I think I'm glad that it's just I say just the league situation but it's a, it's a not a big event so not many people are that into it because you see a lot of moaning oh, I don't like this format or anything like that and it's not on mainstream TV so it and obviously I don't think there's crowds is there either at this so it's probably just fairy steps basically get me a foothold onto the tour and obviously get used to the conditions and the atmosphere and the opposition and and the, the situation basically so hopefully it's all all the positive for me i'm gutted for on you actually she should have been playing today shouldn't she so she would have had the same situation of course she should have been in the ronnie group yeah 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 Gutty have for you spoke her. to her at all about that yeah, we've we've swapped a few texts and everything. She was she was gutted, bless her, but she's been advised not to travel due to COVID and the risks mm. going on and everything. And uh, she was absolutely good. She said, "But I still support you. Don't worry." So we're still supporting each other. <laughs> did she have any word that she might be back for the next one or anything, or did she not know? I don't think she knows at the moment. I think they're just playing it by ear. Hopefully, she can get across and just settle down here, find somewhere where to stay for a few months, get settled in. Because you've got a big chance. We've been given a big opportunity for us. Mm. It's 
news when we receive the news and obviously for women's snooker in the future to be to be given a spot so it's uh we want to make the most of it do you know what I mean it's not every day we've got this chance so she's a little bit gutted bless her yeah absolutely and have you played any of those three guys before that are in your group um but, 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 my memory's not great I've, uh, <laughs> I have uh, practiced Tom Ford a few years ago um, but he did message me I'll put on where's good to go for a few days and he went anywhere away, away from Leicester on uh, Thursday <laughs> uh, no but I don't really know the other two but I know Tom a little bit but um, yeah I'm looking forward to it oh, shout out to Tom by the way he's been on commentary this week and I uh, thought he was really good yeah who is it yeah, a few players have volunteered to do that. They popped into the box and, uh, yeah, I had a couple of frames where he was on. Uh, I thought he was doing really well. Oh, that's good. I didn't know he was... I know there was often commentary to players, but I don't know, obviously, who's taking up because I haven't seen anything. But, uh, no, he's quite he's quite good, Tom. He's um, He's been got the experience and things like that, so I'd imagine he'd be quite good in the box. Hmm. Yeah, he had quite a nice, gentle style about him. He seemed to do quite a lot of today, actually. And um, I didn't actually hear him on a match, but I think Peter Lyons has been doing some as well because I saw a clip online where he where he was talking. So I think he was doing it as well. So it's nice to have that shared around, isn't it? And to get a, a different perspective. And we'll talk a lot more about your um, punditry work later, Rianne. But you, you mentioned about the big opportunity you, you've been given. I mean, it, it's a, it it's a, must have been a very proud moment for you and on ye, but you're obviously the one here at the moment talking to us. Must have been a very proud moment for you to be given that uh, special invitational tour card. Yeah, definitely. I've I've been fighting this battle for quite a few years now, and it just felt like we was banging our head against a brick wall. Um, we just wanted more opportunities for women, more youngsters to play and have a light at the end of the tunnel, so I can be pro because we we okay. We've got a women's tour, but you're not classed as anything. It's it, we didn't know it was used as a progression tour. We just thought we were just a women's tour. So we didn't expect this news to come along. So when we did, me and on you was both shocked. We both texted. She said she burned a tea and I nearly crashed my car. So <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but as I say, we've been trying to fight for women's snooker for so many years, even to have the world champion or just something just to promote women's snooker. Instead of like a tour card, I was saying just first top up choice or something like that, top two women or something like that. But this is fantastic because hopefully it's set in stone now that it's going to continue for years to come. And obviously, likes of Bex and me, Maria and all those will all have an opportunity to fight for that spot as well now. And are you, are you intending to carry on playing on the women's tour as well? That's still available to you, isn't it? Yeah, they, they still want us to play, and I'm I'm thankful that that as well we want to support it we have done for all these years we don't want to stop supporting it I think at the moment a couple look like they might clash the dates hopefully not many will and then we can play in as many as we can mm -hmm. and uh, we spoke about this recently after after the announcement came out and there was there was always going to be sort of negative comments there always are about everything aren't there um but I think were you sort of taken aback a bit by some of that um I knew it was going to come, to be honest. I get it without that announcement, so I get it every day at some point. But uh, you uh, you just got to use it, try and ignore it, basically. I was taken back by some comments because I know them. Um, but in general, I just think that's your opinion at the end of the day. 
we're the ones playing snooker. We've been given the opportunity. We've been very grateful. And hopefully we can spur snooker on in general around the world, especially for women as well. So I just think try and use it to your advantage, basically. Mm-hmm. And certainly it seemed like the positives outweighed the negatives. I know, I don't know if you, we were talking actually before you came on that Alan McManus did a very nice speech at one tournament. Um, I can't remember which one it was though, but it was a very passionate speech. It was great. Um, I think that was the prevailing attitude rather than negativity. Yeah, definitely. I've obviously known him throughout the years on and off and then we're doing a little bit of work with him as well. I've got to know him and he still calls me Rini though. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he was just a, a really nice man. He's so positive. He's anything that makes anything good in the sport he's up for. He's, no, he's not negative at all. And I think what he said was actually spot on. And coming from someone back in the day who played all them years ago, to know how the sports is changing and still agree with it, I think it's amazing. Yeah, he's a very progressive character, actually, Alan. We've, we've certainly found that in our dealings with him. Phil and I mentioned that a few times. Uh, and a delightful man as well. Um, now, I have to ask you this. Do you think that people have genuine qualms about the decision to give you an on-year tour card and the fact that the Women's World Snooker Tour will act as a qualifying tour for the main circuit in the future? Or do you think that there are some people in snooker that are just plain sexist? I think a bit of everything. I do think it is a bit of everything. I think in general, it's really positive. But no matter who you are or what sport or what line of work you're in, you're always going to get, get all this. And uh, I just think eventually, hopefully, they'll come round and see, oh, it's a good thing. Because not only is it going to be- benefit me and on you at the moment and obviously other women in the future, but I think it's going to be big for snooker in, in general. So it can only benefit those as well. And I just think at the moment, because someone was a bit sour grapes that it wasn't them or it should be someone else and things like that. Um, I just think eventually, I think, fingers crossed, they'll come around and see the positive side and that, that it's actually worked for snooker. And people got it mixed up. People were saying, oh, it's an invitation card. It's not. It, it's a way of qualifying for a tour now, like the under-18s, the under-21s, the Europeans, the World Amateurs, the Oceania, the Chinese tours. It, everyone can qualify from a different category now. So I just think it rounds it up, it equals it all out, and they keep saying they want snooker to be a more open platform for people. So this is the way to do it, and this is the way forward for women and snooker for me. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the point, isn't it? That there are all those very specific ways on that are targeted at a certain amount of people, and you know, women are half the world. So <laughs> why wouldn't you target that enormous uh, yeah. pool of people right there? Yeah, and they keep saying that we are oh, we're not good enough, we're not good enough, we can't do this. But we've been supporting our own tour, and we're with the top two players for some years now, on and off. So we're like. We, we need that next step. We need something to push us. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And what you, we keep pushing each other on the women's tour and obviously a few others now as well. So we want to take that next step and that next plunge to say, right, I want to test myself. Okay, it might take me a while, but I do think we would do okay. I, I get a lot saying, oh, you won't even win a frame, let alone a match and things like that. But I just love to prove them wrong, to be honest. 
I was going to say that that I hope that's not extra pressure. I hope that's just motivation. Yeah, it is pressure, but then you've got to use it as motivation. Do you know what I mean? You think, oh, because like when I used to play, like my one match a year, they used to give me invitations to like the Worlds or the Champion Champions. I was, I was playing for all women, but people mm. don't, do you know what I mean? It's like I've got this pressure to perform and do my perfect snooker, but it doesn't happen. No one plays really perfect snooker. And I'm trying to say I should be playing like them, which I shouldn't be because I'm not one of them. But I should be playing the best of my ability, not theirs. And you could, it's a way of different, different ways of thinking and not putting so much pressure on yourself and just trying to enjoy it and bring the best out yourself, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we certainly remember the champion of champions not so long ago that you gave Sean Murphy a hell of a game, Rianne. So um, if, there, if there are doubters out there, there must have have been silenced to some extent by seeing what you do, but you obviously want to do a lot more. Now, what I'm interested in is, what did you learn from your previous experiences when you were on the main tour that you might use this time round? And like I just said, I, I can't be perfect. I'm going to miss balls. I'm going to make silly mistakes and I've just got to get over it and get onto the next one and not think I'm a top player and pl- want to play like them. I've got to play my game, play to my strengths and and just learn basically i want to enjoy it as well the main thing you hear a lot about ronnie and williams and that now they just want to enjoy it and sometimes it brings out the best in you but it's easy for them because they're loaded <laughs> you know <laughs> but they've, they've got a few pennies behind. Uh, but when you're trying to earn a living from it and you're relying on that it's a little bit harder but you still got to want to enjoy it and and to be honest, it's the hardest sport going, so you can't knock yourself for making the odd mistake, can you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Judd's made similar comments to that recently. He said he wants people to look like they're enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I read that somewhere, yeah. Yeah, and I get what he's saying, but it, it is much harder when you're literally trying to win a frame to pay the bills, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. When, when he says, oh, you've got to be... Um, sexy snooker and all this and whatever naughty snooker and just go for a few flare shots i'm like no i'm rolling it in or tucking you up behind that yellow (laughs) because i I need that (laughs) 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 Uh, but that's that's why snooker is so great because you have got literally both ends of the scale you've got people fighting for their lives and people just love to play snooker and playing for the fun of it and when you're more relaxed and playing funny you probably play your best anyway but it's just trying to find that right balance yeah yeah what's your relationship with snooker Rianne? do you absolutely love it no <laughs> <laughs> uh, no all i know really but is it like it's dislike <laughs> sometimes i absolutely love it sometimes i absolutely hate it not gonna lie but uh no because I, I was never a snooker fan i never oh. wanted to snooker so i've never had that um geek snooker inside me sort of thing like oh, i want to but when you're young and you're playing i never had that and you want to be like Andre or someone when you're playing pretending you're them at the world championships and that i never done that because i never wanted to play snooker and i just sort of played because my brother played and then entered some leagues and then got the the uh, forms for the world championships entered and got to the semi-finals and we got to play at the cruise bus so I was like okay I'm okay at these I should carry on and then I think I haven't looked back since <laughs> so well obviously you do I I do love it really deep down I think but uh no I just think because it's so hard it, it's intriguing 
Do you know what I mean? It, it keeps you wanting to come back all the time. And obviously there's always something that brings pulls you back in. It's like, do I want to quit? Now I've just won the Worlds or do I want to quit? Now they've just up, updated the women's tour and do I want to quit? Now they're on about giving invitation cards and things like that. So there's always something that draws you back in and let alone trying to improve yourself. It, it's, it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> and, and where do you stand on on the kind of state of the game? I know this is a you know it, you could talk forever probably about this, but the comments that Judd made to Phil Hag earlier in the year about uh, maybe the game needing to modernise a bit and maybe stuck in the past, some people within the game are always focusing on nostalgia. Did you recognise the game in some of that, or do you think Judd went too far? What was your view on that? I think he had a little bit of a point, but why lose the history? That's what snooker's there for. It's just, the World Championships is known before all the, the history at the Crucible. Do you know what I mean? So why would you want to lose that? You can update it and adapt it for definite, but I just think you need to, you need to find a good balance. And when he says you've got the shootout, he never enters it, which is a new fun format. He doesn't enter it. So I'm just like... Well, if you if you want new things, you've got to enter it. If they put it on the plate for you, do you know what I mean? But um, I just think in general, I think he did have some good good ideas and things like that. I think doing the different commentary in the box with all new players, and I think it adds that bit of fresh air to it, keeps people interested. And obviously, you've got one-frame shootout, you've got short formats, you've got long formats, you've got the whole they'll suit situation you've got shirts you've got polos I, I think there's not much you could really change with snooker I don't think in my eyes but um I'm looking forward to see what they do in the future maybe it could come along but in general I just think it's not that as bad as what he's he made it out to be basically I'd be interested to hear your view on the dress code from a woman's point of view because I suppose you near enough have to wear a suit as well but that must feel even more unnatural for you guys yeah, definitely. It's it's not the best attire, is it, for a woman? But uh, but Anya's not not my pal because she loves it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like loves it. So uh, no, I just think maybe women shouldn't have to wear a bow tie. They can have a little bit of an open neck, make it a little bit more feminine, and obviously you can change the colours up a little bit to make it a little bit more feminine. But um, in general, I don't think there's much you could change though for it to have a for it to adapt to it. I'm not sure. I have to come up with some uh, design ideas, I think. But uh, and say so you've got polos, but then that's not feminine either, is it? So I think you just got to try and adapt your style to it. I think. Are the rules in the rule book the same for men and women, or are they sort of slightly tweaked? No, I think they're the same. Mm. I think, but when I did play at the champion, the champions are they did relax the rule because I was a woman. I think and said, "Oh, it looks better if you don't wear a bow tie," and mm. uh, I had an open collar. And I don't, I don't think it looks bad. I, I think it looks better actually. But um, not sure what everyone else thinks. But and I, I do struggle wearing a bow tie. To be honest, I, I feel a bit, oof, a bit under pressure with it on and a bit restricted. So, yeah, I'm not looking forward to the bow tie situation. No, again, not in this heat. No one wants that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll just let them change the dress code for this because they what it is in there. Mm. So, just been shopping for four hours to just try and find a black polo shirt and I've ended up buying a men's. So <laughs> it says it all, doesn't it? 
just to go back a bit, actually, it's just come to me. Your brother, who I guess was a good player from, from what you say, you say you weren't into snooker. So what, but what made you follow him? Because he did so much of it and it's natural sometimes when a sibling does something or did he ask you or persuade you? How did that happen? Um, I, I was like his little shadow, basically. Um, followed him everywhere. But uh, i got two brothers, they're both regular century breakers, just that the middle one, he, he just wasn't as competitive. He was, he was good, but he just didn't play many competitions, whereas Ryan used to go practicing everywhere and entering every competition he could and things like that. So, And I just wanted to be by his side, basically. And then he was late turning up for practice session when he had his own table when we owned a, a club a few years ago. And uh, his mate says, oh, get a cue and hit a few balls with me. So I'd done that and then uh, sort of went from there. We had 20... 20 odd my first effort so I was like okay I can play a little bit so wow. <laughs> in my bunny slippers <laughs> <laughs> and would your parents have had a, a, an interest in snooker would that would have started it for, for the brothers and then obviously you in the end yeah definitely um my mom was like regular 60s when she used to play and when oh. she had she taught my dad how to play so it was a, uh, we had a family team. <laughs> wow. Must have been a pretty unbeatable family team then. Not many, <laughs> not many families could match that, Phil. <laughs> it's when, when I hear like proper sportsmen and women who have stories like this, just endless jealousy for us mere mortals. You know, I'll, I'll play for years and I'll be, I'd be very pleased with a 20 odd break. Never mind doing it first every time I picked up a cue. <laughs> yeah but what it was my brother had this cue that I really wanted because he had a new one made but he didn't like the shaft he didn't like the arrows on the shaft so he swapped his old shaft and new but and I wanted to use the other parts like basically mm -hmm. a bit new and he went no you're not having it till you make your first entry and uh, within a, a week or so I made a century so I was like yes <laughs> wow <laughs> it's amazing yeah I mean, what you going back to that conversation you're having before as well, you were sort of talking about it sounded like you were considering quitting at times and then saying things drew you back in. Were, were there things you wanted to do outside of snooker that you attempted to go and do? No, that's why I always went back to snooker. <laughs> 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 no, um, it was just so hard financially. And as much, I mean, I played for five days winning the world championships and won 400 pounds, I think. Do you know mm. what I mean? And people say, oh, I don't do enough for sport and I don't support women's snooker. So I'm just like, yeah, I've, I've gone, not only me as well, imagine all the players that didn't even win it. They're all out of pocket, you know what I mean? And they've supported it all these years. So it was just tough. It was, as much as I wanted to carry on playing, it was just, I need to get a job. I need to be financially. I mean, my mom and dad have been amazing. I could never have done it without them, especially with my daughter and looking after my daughter while I played and things like that. So it's just been so tough at times. People don't realise that aspect. They just see you on the table and, and that's it, basically. That's why it's like Ronnie's background or William's background, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors and you can't really judge them just off, off the snooker with everything in life. So it's just tough out there. It's when you, as I say, you're playing for £100 and you're thinking, oh, that'll pay that bill now. And and it, that black offer spot becomes a hell of a lot harder. Yeah. And I mean, the, the prize money in the women's game, I don't want to say scandalous because obviously there's reasons behind it, but it is very low, isn't it? Yeah. And especially yeah, when you've I mean, got a... Sorry, go on. 
no, carry on. Well, I was just, I mean, you've had a lot of world championships, a very nice, exotic sounding uh, locations. Yes. But it means you've got to go and you've got to get to the semis probably to even make your break even. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's like the most I've ever won in a ladies' event is £6,000. Mm. And I've been playing, uh, I don't want to say how long now, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nearly 20 years I've nearly been playing. So it's, uh, and to say, because we've always thought, it, oh, it's progressing, we want to get better, and then something happens and we take a step back all the time. It's like we've never had that opportunity just to go all, all guns blazing, saying, right, we've got this path now, we're going forward, 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 but we go forward and then back and then forward and then back. And fingers crossed now with all this, it's only going to push it. And and as you say, when you've got like the world's in Thailand, you, you need to make the semis just to make your money back, you know what I mean? And it's tough, it's really tough. So this is why you cannot not mock or knock any woman player supporting, no matter if, the, if they've just started out or they've been competing for years, to support the tour. And I think it's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, they're doing it for the love of it. I spoke to Bex Kenner before, and it's so much love for snooker. It's their life, isn't it? And yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't not want them to do well, people like that. No, exactly. People don't realise because these people don't get to see us play that much. So they don't really realise what's going on and the work that goes in to try and do it, like with all the background staff and everything like that. So I just hope, fingers crossed for me, and obviously all the other girls now that this is a massive step forward for, for us and it continues in this way. Because mm-hmm. when you see hear numbers like that, prize money like that, it's fair to say that snooker does lag behind other sports. It, you know, it really is fair to say that. I mean, we, we often make snooker and darts an equivalent, I think, is, in some ways, Phil. And you know, I wouldn't ask you to come out of the top of your head and say prize money, but... I can imagine women's darts is so much further down the road, for example, than, than women in snooker. Well, sort of. But there was only, the BDO World Championship was the one that had a, a women's world championship alongside the men's, and that, that was sort of scandalously low compared to the men's. Really, um, I think I'm just I'm just dig up here. So I mean, the BDO is defunct now, but I've got the 2019 World Championship here. Glenn Durant won 100 grand for winning first prize. And the women's winner got 12 grand. So it was still a massive difference. And then um, the PDC, sort of similar as it was Barry Hearn run, they didn't have a separate women's one. They just said it was all open to everyone. Um, So women could could compete on the main tour, but they never did really. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a long old way from tennis, isn't it? Where they were... No, no, that's a that's a fair way. I, I I thought darts was a little bit fur, further down the road than that. Rihanna, I'd like to ask you about your punditry work. You, you, yeah. you seem to love doing it. Do, do do you enjoy it as much as much as comes across to the viewer? Oh, does it? Because I'm I'm so nervous. <laughs> uh, no. no, when I first started doing it, I was like, I really want to do it, but I was like, oh, I hate my accent for a start. And then oh dear, I, why? I, I think it's because. It, People, you don't hear it on TV, do you? Basically, you should. Not enough regional yeah. accents on television. Exactly. That's what we say now. But but yeah. everyone, right? They're just like, be you. Just talk how you talk. We love it. Just carry on. And obviously, working with people that you know, you get more relaxed. And the more you do it, the more you you feel more confident doing it. But um, no, I do really enjoy it. Actually. It's something I like to do a lot more of. 
I think you can tell, and this isn't a criticism of what you started like, but you, you can tell you've relaxed into it and you get more confident just to say what you think, I guess, more than anything. Yeah, yeah. I remember when uh, when we first got the gig and Ronnie went, how many world titles have you won? And I went like, I don't know if at the time it's 11 or 12 or whatever. And he just says, well, you know what you're on about then, just say it. <laughs> don't care if anybody agrees with you or not, just say it. <laughs> but he, it's hard because you're like, oh, I want I don't want to say too much because <laughs> you, you still you still see these people you have to play these people so it's but at the end of the day it's your job and that's what you're there for but now I do really enjoy it and fingers crossed I get more work in the future yeah what, what what's it like hanging around with Ronnie and Jimmy then that that must be a that must be a barrel of laughs mustn't it oh they bore me I don't like it no I'm <laughs> 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 Uh, no, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Obviously, I've got a little connection with Ronnie because his best, my best friend is his cousin. So sort of through that way, Maria. And uh, I just love Jimmy. His stories, I could just listen to him all day. He's just a big isn't he? I just love him. He's brilliant. And obviously Andy and all the Eurosport team and the BBC, they're just all so nice. I haven't met anyone I don't like it. So uh, I just love it. Yeah, you're in Eurosport. Have you been on ITV as well? Have you done all three? No, not done ITV yet. It's on my checklist. It's on my to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's brilliant. Well, uh, will you carry on doing it? How will you play it the next season? Now, with you playing more on the main tour, what what will your you know thinking be on that score? Obviously, playing is my priority, and I'm going to do what I can when I can practice and things like that. But if they do ask me, I will want to do a little bit. But obviously, depending on formats and things like that but no say if it's like towards the latter stages obviously I'm not going to be winning events am I so fingers crossed in the future maybe one day but it's early days at the moment and uh, I just want to uh, maybe do a few days here and there just to just to keep me involved basically. Did you ever do um, commentary because I remember I saw you in Wales and you got the chance <laughs> and you were not sure what to do about that. <laughs> Uh, I first done commentary for the seniors and I was doing oh, yeah. it with a little bit um, and it, it was okay and then I'd done a little bit at the shootout a couple of years ago I think done one or two frames can't remember and I just I do struggle with commentary um, again I think it's maybe not doing it as often but it's knowing when to talk and knowing because everyone plays different shots, so you're calling a shot and then they play it, so it makes you look daft, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but um, not the only one, but it's just hard. And then you think, oh, should I talk about this one now then? And then it's just, and then you see all the, the pros that have been doing it years and they're just rolling off the tongue, doing this, doing that. And the angle's totally different on the screen, you can see. Mm. So so to me, I'm like, oh, that don't go. And he's like, oh, it flies in. <laughs> it's just like, oh, great. My eyes are that bad then. But no, it's, you just realize how good they actually are when people criticize them and things like that i just think you haven't been sat in that box next to them they are differently because they are brilliant it's just such a long time to be talking for as well especially I mean, if you get the wrong match some of those yeah. seniors matches they're not long format <laughs> but they're long freights <laughs> yeah definitely it's a bit like do you want to be a ref as well otherwise you got ref the matches or something yes but <laughs> no commentary at the moment not for me but um or fair play to those that do because it's hard yeah, we're blessed with some terrific commentators in snooker. We really are. Uh, Phil, should we move on to our 
our questions from the from the listeners now do you think absolutely yeah uh, let's do that we we've had some in of course for you Rianne and um the first one comes from Paul Barnsley on email Nick and Phil delighted to learn the podcast will feature black country legend Rianne Evans <laughs> oh now this is a, an audio service but a lovely double fist pump from Rianne there <laughs> proud of where you are now that's why it's annoying when you say you don't want you don't like your accent you see yeah just just need more of it on tv and then i'll be all right she's from just up the road from me and i followed her amazing career closely as a result my question for rianne is this a few years ago i remember steve davis claiming that women couldn't compete with men because quotes unquote their brains were wired differently Hopefully, the culture of the game has moved on significantly since then. But if Rianne was in charge of snooker for one day, what, what one further change would she make to the game to improve the opportunities for women players and to encourage more women to get involved in playing the game? Finally, please tell Rianne that in Bilston, we think she's Boston. <laughs> Is that local, local lingo? It's Boston, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't say that in Hackney very often. So, <laughs> what one further change would you make then to, Rianne, to improve the opportunities for women players and to encourage more women to get involved in playing the game? Um, it's several. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, Give us as many as you want. Just supporting the women's tour. I think that's the main thing. It's getting it people viewing it getting out there for people to see because if you don't see it you don't believe it so you don't know what's happening so for me I when I started playing I never knew there was a women's tour because I never saw it never heard of it so we just need to it and obviously obviously you need backing you need money you need support so for me it's getting it shown it hasn't got to be live on tv but it can be streamed it can be highlights it could be something even played alongside the qualifiers at venues or something like that, just so even those watching the qualifiers can see it. And obviously more money, because if there's more money involved, which is hard without people seeing it, so that's going to come with people viewing it, is more support, more financial support. And it will encourage more, more women to go part-time or put more hours practising to say, oh, I can go part-time because I've got a chance to earn a little bit of a living as well as my normal job so for me it's getting it out there getting it publicized and a bit more money pushed behind it the comment um from steve davis there about what brains been wired differently sounds really bad but but actually i think i've spoken to you before Ian, and you've made not the same comment but you said women can struggle to be i think you said that as ruthless as men or sort of i don't know what to put words in your mouth because i can't remember the quote but something like that yeah, definitely. I do think he has, he's on the right path. But I just think we've got to work harder at that sort of side of things. Um, I think we've got to train our brains to be thinking selfish, more selfish and more ruthless. And I think with Chris as well, I think that's where he could help me a lot because he's a lot, lot to do with the mental side as well. And for me, it's one of being comfortable out there. And once you're comfortable out there and you're focused, then your game's going to improve anyway. So... For me, I do think he's on the right track. I do think we are we are built slightly different. And because I could be playing, I'm thinking, 
is Lauren okay? Have I done this? Have I done that? Whereas I think a man can sort of push that aside for a bit longer and just focus on what he's doing. But um, yeah, in general, I just think we have to work a lot harder at that level and it's only just sort of come to tuition that we need, that's what we need to do. So now we know what it is, we can work on it. And I think that's where we're so far behind, let alone like playing, but mentally, I think that's what we need to do, work on the mental side of it more. Mm -hmm. Well, all but very interesting, Rianne, thank you. And uh, Dan Cooper next on Twitter. Well, his first question, I think you kind of answered already. He says, who was your favourite player growing up when you first got interested in snooker? But <laughs> you all didn't have one, did you, by, by, by what you told us? But no, no, not before. And <laughs> Well, the, the second one then is, which professional have you practised with the most? And Dan says, cheers and all the best for the new season. Um, I did sort of have a poster of Stephen Andrew and Alan McManus on the wall, but I think it was my brothers and I pinched them. <laughs> 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 no, I did used to watch, once I got into it, I watched Stephen Andrew, but obviously now it's like Ronnie. I think he's amazing. But um, who do I practice with the most? It's got to be like, I practice with like Chris Wakelin, Mark Joyce and all those, because they're quite local. Played Tom Ford a couple of times and things like that, but. Yeah, I'm trying to get Jimmy down for a practice. It, is Jimmy flying in practice? He, 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 he usually <laughs> tells us that he's... He's always flying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it's like anyone, anyone can do it in practice, can't they? But he's getting out there. I think he just puts too much pressure on himself, Jimmy. He's got that, that label of being one of the legends of the sport and he just never wants to let go of it I don't think but he just needs to enjoy it more relaxed because when he does his exhibitions and things like that he's, he's brilliant so he's just got to try and transfer that to the table and you'll win a few more matches. I was I was wondering if there was anyone you were really looking forward to or hoping you get drawn against at some point over the next couple of years and I thought Jimmy might be one of them but is he or is there anyone you'd really like to play? Well you, you've got to say Ronnie, Judd, Jimmy, those sort of people because they attract all the audiences. But obviously, we want it a bit, bit later on, so you get used to the conditions a little bit. <laughs> but no, if you you in it to play those people and be in that atmosphere, it's, it's like Andrew said, if you don't want to play them people, them players at the best, why do you want to play snooker? Mm. So it's a bit like, yeah, you've got to look at the same way as everyone else and think that's who you want to play and you want to experience all that. But, might, might not have the outcome you want, but uh, no, because they're just machines, aren't they? But no, you've got to look forward to playing those sort of players. Andrew would be a good opportunity there as well. That might be fun. Yes, he was the only one to beat me in one of the Legends tours we did. He, he was so determined. He was like, he was back. He's back to his ruthlessness years ago. He's like, I'm not losing. I'm not losing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but doing those sort of Legends tours helped me playing all those legends in that atmosphere is what we sort of playing with crowds and match like conditions so hopefully we can do more of those as well and it'll help me along my journey uh, what you mentioned there i think we've spoken to this about this before as well rightly or wrongly men don't want to lose to you do they no. <laughs> and, and i mean it'd be silly to ignore that as a fact and that there is an added pressure and you've got to you know, you've got to use that to your advantage, haven't you? Yeah, most definitely. Um, no matter if the, they, they, could, they could really like you and really respect that you're on tour and think it's fantastic, but they've still got to get all the stick if you do beat mm -hmm. them. And 
say, oh, you've lost and you're the first one to lose to a woman and all this, but I love it. I do. I, I just love that aspect of it. It's a bit of fun as well. So I remember playing Ken and I know Ken a little bit as well. And I could see his whole body shaking when I played him. And uh, he was like, I've never been under that much pressure. And he says, it's not because I think it's you, it's because everyone else think it's you. Because he, he's such a nice, nice bloke, Ken. And uh, he's just like, I've just never been so much pressure in all my life. <laughs> but again, it's it's also a lot of pressure for them and people don't realise that. It's not just a, a normal game of snooker. It's a bit like Sean when we played at the Champion Champions. It's, mm. it, it does put pressure on them as well. Just to say that when Rianne was doing that, you lost, you lost a woman. She was waggling her finger like a typical mother. Proper, <laughs> proper ticking off pose there. <laughs> I never even realised it, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Next, Daniela Daniel on Twitter. What are your, we kind of, uh, kind of already gone through this in some ways, but what are your main goals for the season? She asks it's just to enjoy it try and get the best out of my game but obviously being a new professional you want to stay professional so the aim is to at the end of the two years is still be professional and that's what everyone aims for as a new professional or just being back on tour and things like that so the end goal fingers crossed would be still be professional in two years time and we got Michael Wright on Twitter from the Talking Bulls pod um Thank you for contacting us, Michael. Uh, similar question, what would you consider to be a successful season for 21-22? Uh, this next one, rather than looking across the two years, this next one coming. Um, obviously, you want to get some wins under your belt. And obviously, the sooner you do that, the more comfortable you're going to be going on, on throughout the year. So it's just to get a couple of wins under my belt, really. And hopefully, even if I don't win, even if I put in a few good performances, um, you just want to play your best game basically but uh no I'm very much like one of those take it step by step and work on it because at the minute I feel like I've gone back to doing a bit of learning about the game and my game with with Chris and new things to learn and focus on so if I put them into practice then I feel confident Where, where do you think your game is your game now as good as it ever has been are you sort of coming into your peak um, it's hard to say. I haven't played for nearly two years, so <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's hard because when you're younger, you, you have no fear, and I, you do just want to put everything. And as you get older, you you get a bit tentative, I think, and you think about things more. So I just hopefully all my experience is going to help me through this sort of next two years. And fingers crossed, I can be better and better. Because I do feel like if I play my best game, I can compete. Mm. I'm not saying at the t- right at the top, but as a professional, I think I can compete. I think surely what will help as well, having two year or a year or two on the on the tour. Um, at the minute, you've just been chucked into say like the shootout, which is just random, and <laughs> and the world championship qualifiers, which is the most pressurised environment you could possibly go into. Yeah, so yeah. to sort of get your feet under the table in some what you might call normal tournaments. Yeah, um, will give you an advantage to settle in a bit more, I think. Yeah, most definitely. It's a bit like they expect you to play well on live on TV, like the Champion Champions against top four players. Sean, I'm not sure, but um, he's up there, isn't he? And it's like 
you try and play your best perfect snooker and it's never going to happen so you're putting pressure on yourself straight away and to do that once in a blue moon it's even going to be hard for those sort of players so to think you could do that it's hard so hopefully regular competitive snooker against all different types of players is hopefully going to improve my game and uh, fingers crossed me and you can both do it for the women and what qualities would you say Onyi has? What, when you look at her game and her sort of temperament, what what impresses you about her? Uh, a temperament. <laughs> uh, it is a temperament. She she never knows when she's beat. She she'll just keep going. And she's for me, what I've noticed, she's good at forgetting the bad stuff. She can just move on, which is one of my bad points, I think. And uh, that for me, that is her best thing and she's such a hard worker as well she um she puts the hours in she she wants to do her best and give herself the best chance and that's sort of the perspective i've took with my new lease life being a professional this year and obviously you'll have a lot of people on your side but will you take particular uh, kind of um inspiration and help from on you and from each other as, as you head into this new i know she can't start yet that's a shame but when she does start what do you take um you know a lot of solace and inspiration from each other yeah definitely i think we've shared a few texts already and oh come on girl power and all this do it for the women and right. so for each other and although we're competitive we, we are quite good friends when we're not on to, not on the table so I think that's a whole thing about women's snooker. I think we're all virtually friends until we're on the table. And then, obviously, it's your worst enemy on the table, isn't it? But uh, it, it's one of those, we have to support each other. We've, we've got to build it up and show that we can do it. And at the end of the day, if she wins before me or if I win before her, it's going to spur you on to put in a good performance and get on with it. Because I also remember when I was first on tour, I played... Neil Robertson, and he, he had to clear up to beat me 4-3 in 2010 at a PTC. And Jimmy Robertson was watching and he was talking to Paul Mount, who was our manager at the time. And he says, I've just watched Rianne there and I, I, feel, I feel like I'm buzzing for her and if, I can't wait to play my game now and, and things like that. So that's the way I think we're going to work. I think we're going to spur each other on, basically. With, with these random draws at the British Open next month, you might even play each other. I know, yeah, how weird would that be? <laughs> yeah, it's quite possible, isn't it? But, yeah, imagine if that had happened. It's a bit like Jimmy playing Andrew, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was incredible. <laughs> well, darkness has fallen in the garden there, Phil, which I think is a sign that maybe we should think about wrapping up. Have you got any more questions there, first of all, sir? I don't think I have any, any particular more here. I'm good. I've, I've put a little tick next to all my notes, so all my boxes are ticked. <laughs> good and Rianne is there anything that you'd like to say that we haven't sort of touched upon that you think you'd like to uh, sort of express or to say ahead of the, your new campaign basically I just want to say thanks to everyone who supported me um, we've had a lot of negativity but with my two sponsors as well now Ramara and Rocket obviously they back Jimmy and Ronnie as well so it's a big name for me to wear my waistcoat and obviously Jason, Francis and the family and everything. I just, I just want to thank them for letting me have this opportunity and I'm going to do the best I can for them.
Well, that's smashing. And you've been a, you've been a terrific guest and you, we've really loved having you. And thank you so much. Will you come back and see us again one day, even when you're much more famous than you are now, perhaps? Um, only if you say Boston again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a deal. <laughs> we, wish you, we wish you all the best for the new season, Rihanna. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you very much. You're going to have to tell me, text me how to spell that so I can put it in some of my copy, I think. <laughs> Literally, you say it. Yeah, no, thank you again. It's been great. And uh, yeah, I think uh, best of luck for this Thursday, isn't it? It's coming around very soon. So I think uh, there'll be a lot more eyes watching your group than would normally be watching some other groups of the Championship League. (laughs) Thank you very much, Phil. (laughs) Well, that's brilliant. Well, we wish we had well for the new season, of course. Uh, Phil, we'll be back probably on Sunday, won't we? Because we want to look ahead to the next week of uh, of Championship League uh, games. And, of course, look back on the days to come, which will include Rianne. Uh, but we, we must disappear now. Before we do, I just want to have a quick word about uh, a Sporting Life podcast um, mm. called Sporting Lives, presented by Ollie Bell. And, and Judd Trump is his latest guest on there. Really interesting listen, actually, if you search for... Uh, sporting life in the search box of your favourite podcast provider. Uh, good to have more snooker audio out there, isn't it? And uh, always, always interesting to hear what what Judd has to say ahead of uh, another big season for him. Yeah, there was some really interesting insight there from Judd. Um, he does have interesting things to say a lot of the time. Yeah, um, it's good stuff about what it's like playing Ronnie. That was very interesting. And there's comments about um, feeling like he needs to put on a show to avoid sort of stick on social media. It was quite interesting as well. Um, Judd's had a busy time if you're following him, him on Instagram he's having a nice time with the England boys in Mykonos uh, I was a little bit jealous of that because I've not been away for a while but uh, I'm glad to see he's enjoying himself Yeah I'm a bit confused by that but I think he told Ollie Bell he's not a big football fan and yet doesn't he seem to be with the England team nearly every year now or, or big players anyway Well he doesn't have to watch the football I think he just like going out partying so fair enough <laughs> Fair enough and why not? You know, at a time as bad as this for many people, it must be lovely to let your hair down like that. But um, anyway, we, we must depart. Phil, I, I, I shall see you on Sunday. Rianne, thank you very much indeed. And keep your thoughts coming to us, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. But for now, from this uh, lovely episode of Talking Snooker, from Rianne, Phil and myself, is cheerio sports social podcast network with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.